The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. All right, good morning. It's uh, five minutes after uh, 9 o'clock here. Welcome to the Employment Law Show. John Pincus is your guy this morning answering all of your questions already. Help at employmentlawyer.ca to reach out through email. And anytime you need a uh, super handy and free website to refer to for employment law, anything we cover on this show generally can be found at uh, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We'll get it going. John, we'll talk about the aging workforce. We'll talk about uh, lots of other things, some emails as well, and maybe a little bit of employment law True and false as well. So that is all coming up. But first, my brother, the uh, the week that was, what's been happening for you? Yeah, I've got a couple interesting situations to talk about uh, that uh, came across my desk in the last couple of weeks. Uh, one of them is uh, very relevant to uh, a topic we're discussing, the aging workforce. But first, I want to talk about um, a situation involving a salesperson who was paid um, a basic salary of $30,000 plus a fairly significant commission and a bonus. He'd been working there about seven years, and on average his commissions were about $75,000. This was on top of the, uh, of the basic salary. And on top of both those things, he also had a bonus that was on average about $25,000, uh, which he received consistently every year. And if you looked at his T4s and averaged them up, it came up to about $130,000 total comp every year. So over the past year, uh, the company's been critiquing his performance, most of which has been happening uh, due to the difficulty that he has had uh, working from home during COVID-19. What he's found is that without being able to see clients in person, he just can't build the same rapport, and as a result, his sales have been suffering. So for 2020, his commissions were only about 45000 So They go to him and they tell him, well, you know what, all right, we think you're losing significant opportunities for our company because of your, you know, what we think is your poor salesmanship of late. And there are others who seem to be doing better, so we'll give you a choice. We can either cut your sales territory in half or we can terminate your employment. And what this person says is, well, I don't want to lose my job, but I'm not going to agree to lose tens of thousands of dollars, which is what's going to happen if you cut my sales territory in half. So I'm not going to agree to that. So they terminate his employment and they offer him three months pay. And when they calculate that three months pay, they take his 2020 commissions of 45,000 and they cut it in half, basing that on 22,500 and they pay him nothing for the bonus he lost in 2021. So you can see there's lots of problems here. Uh, And the first thing I said to him when he came, when he called me was that the company can't say that your severance commissions should be based on some arbitrary halving of your previous commissions. In fact, if they had done that without letting you go, you you would have had a basis to allege a constructive dismissal. And the other issue here was that bonuses were a major part of his compensation, and the law is very clear that bonuses have to be a part of the severance package. So for the company to pay nothing towards that um, and to uh, cut his commission so significantly when paying his severance package is just not uh, is not in accordance with what he's owed at all. Uh, so we're going to be helping him get a better severance package. And given the amount of months that they're basing his severance package on, the missing commissions and the missing bonus, we've got a lot of work to do. But uh, I'm confident we're going to get him to where we need to get him to so he can have some financial security to get back on his feet. By the way, to reach out to uh, to John, member of the team at the firm, anytime, here's how you do that. one 821 5900 is a way to uh, 
to go about that help at employmentlawyer.ca. What uh, what else is cooking, pal? So the second situation, interestingly, given our, our topic for today, uh, involved a receptionist who'd been working for a company for about 25 years and was 75 years old. And uh, recently she'd been uh, asked a lot of questions by her boss about when she's going to retire and whatnot. And she simply said that she hasn't made any firm plans yet, but as long as she felt she could handle her receptionist duties, she was going to keep on going because, you know, people's jobs uh, are, are very valuable to them and it's, sometimes it's about more than the money. One day she comes to work and she's called into a meeting with her boss uh, and is told that she's going to be given a, quote, retirement package. And she says, well, wait a minute, what are you talking about? And what he told her is, well, you know, we feel it's time for you to move on. So they hold this big farewell party for her, which, of course, is very awkward. Uh, and they send her off on her way with this 12-month salary continuance. Now, I'm sure for many people out there, the problem with this is obvious. Mandatory retirement is illegal in Ontario. has been for a long time now. And the company clearly missed the memo on that. And the other problem here is she was only offered a 12-month salary continuance, and she was owed significantly more than that, potentially as much as 20 months' pay. Uh, given the human rights issues here that are alive, this company is going to end up paying her a significant uh, sum of money. So uh, she's going to be very glad that she contacted us here. The email address, or at least rather the website, you can go to anytime, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Aging workforce. Let's get into this. Um, good good way to dovetail off that last, uh, that last uh, bit of correspondence you had. What can employers do? Uh, with older employees who become a little less productive, they're still they're still chugging along, but they're just not as as you know fast or maybe as uh, as productive as they used to be. Maybe a few years back, what do they do in that case? In that case, you you want to contrast that to the situation that I just described. Actually, right. so in the situation I just described, you had someone who, for, for all you know, for all we know, certainly for all I knew and for all she knew. Uh, was able to perform her job the same way she always has. So the only reason uh, that they were getting rid of her clearly was because of some perception about her age, some prejudice about her age. Now, if you have someone, on the other hand, uh, who is becoming less productive um, and is actually running into problems uh, with their, with their uh, work, then you have, as an employer, you have more flexibility in terms of terminating their employment. So in that case, you may ask if they need accommodations. Um, you may, uh, if, if there's you know, some medical issue at play, um, if, if you don't have any reason to think there's a medical issue at play um, or some other um, you know, personal circumstance they're struggling with, offer coaching. Uh, if it's becoming severe, you may want to consider implementing a performance improvement plan, which you probably want to do with the help of a lawyer. Um, and as a last resort, as long as you can show that there are actual reasons other than their age to be getting rid of them, you can always consider a termination without cause. And, and that is something that you can do in, in that uh, situation. We're talking about an aging workforce. Uh, now we'll flip it over to the other side here. If you have an employee who's uh, struggling with their job because of their age, um, probably getting a little nervous and maybe not sure what to do, maybe try their best. But uh, what are the proper steps for them to take? Well, the, the best thing to do, I mean, it, whether or not you're having uh, medical problems or not, um, is to, first of all, ask for assistance. Consider whether there's something new that's been introduced to the workplace that's holding you back. And if there is something new that's holding you back, make that very explicit when you write to your boss. 
say that, look, this is not just business as usual. You have introduced something new, and that's why I'm struggling. And that's going to help protect your entitlement to severance if they let you go. Um, if there is a new procedure, for example, then you may want to ask for additional training on that. You may want to ask to shadow with someone who's more familiar with that new procedure. If, on the other hand, it's something health-wise that's holding you back, right. know that you have the right to a medical leave. Um, and it's not, you know, what you look up in the Employment Standards Act, which you see, that, you know, three days. The, the Human Rights Code really protects you for as long as you have uh, a doctor's note showing that you have a disability. Um, so if you really need a medical leave, um, you should take one. Your job is protected. You just have to have a doctor validate it. Um, if you are someone who's receiving a performance improvement plan, uh, make it clear in writing to your employer about why you're struggling, that you're, that you're committed to improving, and uh, what roadblocks you think that are in your way. And if you don't agree with the performance criticism, put that in writing too. Yeah, that's the thing you've often said. I mean, you just don't let it lie, and that has to go with uh, with discipline measures or any sort of critique by your employer or a performance improvement plan. I think what you often say is, you know, if silence is the same as acceptance, if you don't disagree with it, or if you disagree with it but you don't say anything, you remain silent, it's really hard to fight it down the road, isn't it? It, it is, and I have a lot of clients who come to me uh, who say, and they have all these performance improvement plans, and they're all signed, and they come to me and they say, well, you know, I signed it under coercion, I signed it under duress. And what I tell them is, you know, that's going to be really, really hard to prove, uh, if yeah. not impossible. So don't rely on just being able to say, well, you know what, I'm agreeing to this, but just so you know, um, I'm, you know, I'm not accepting this. You say that verbally without putting that in writing. In fact, I would usually recommend writing it right on the performance improvement plan with your signature. So every time someone sees that signature, they also see your disagreement. Um, if you don't do that, um, then it's, you know, it's going to be considered that you're treating the performance uh, criticisms as fair. And sometimes you have to, right? Sometimes the performance criticisms are fair. Sometimes you drop the ball. And if that's the case, then you're going to sign and you're just going to make sure you do whatever you can to improve. But if your employer is not being fair with you, you really don't, don't count on that being verbal. You have to write it, write it right on the performance improvement plan or at the very least send an email. We'll take a, a short break here, continue our chat about the aging workforce and the email address we always use, help at employmentlawyer.ca, Employment Law Show, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. John Pincus is answering your questions. If you have questions about employment rights, well, this is your show. As you know, if you've been uh, terminated or laid off, wrongfully dismissed, harassed at work, experienced changes to your job, human rights issues, uh, or just plain old questions about severance, the list goes on and on. Always at your fingertips. PocketEmploymentLawyer.ca is where you can uh, where you can go as well. But we'll uh, we'll keep it going here. The aging workforce. Um, now we'll go back to, again to the uh, the employee. Can an older employee be disciplined if they quote unquote can't keep up anymore? Uh, yeah, it, they they can in some circumstances. Uh, just because someone is uh, of an older employee does not mean that you are. Uh, you're not insulated from termination and you're not insulated from discipline. What an employer can't do is they can't discipline you because of your age. They can't terminate your employment 
because of your age. So, you know, in the sense of terminations, you think of, uh, you know, a restructuring where a whole department is wiped away. Right. Just because you happen to be one of the older employees does not make that a uh, human rights violation. Similarly, um, if you're having uh, problems uh, keeping up at work and nothing has really changed in your job, uh, an employer is, I mean, they're going to have a certain amount of accommodation that's required, but unless there's some accommodation that you can identify for them, um, an employer is allowed to uh, manage your performance. So, uh, you know, some questions you're going to want to ask is, uh, like I was mentioning earlier, is there something new in the job that is causing you not to be able to keep up anymore? Um, is your employer refusing you training? Um, is your employer doing something that's actually putting roadblocks in your way of being able to do your job the way that you did before? And if none of that is happening, um, and you don't agree with this, and you don't agree that you're not keeping up anymore, and in fact you think, look, I'm doing my job the same way I always did my job, yep. uh, then the question that you want to ask is, well, you know, is my employer perhaps doing this because of my age? Has your employer suggested recently that you retire or asked when you're going to retire? Um, that could be a uh, serious human rights violation. They're going to do that. We had a guy call in, and he was he was speaking on behalf of his dad, who was uh, still working at a gym. They they all loved him at the gym. He was just slowing down a little bit, still kind of doing his job, but not quite as quick. He was eighty five and still had no intention of quitting. Just awesome. Wow. So they, you know, he was asking about exactly that. How do they accommodate him and make things a little easier? Because you know he's a fan of everybody who goes there, but. Thought that was uh, thought that was pretty incredible. Sally, go ahead. What's your question? Okay, uh, I'm 83. I work as a physician. I've worked in the position for seven years. I'm very productive, on top. I've had assessments, excellent work. Um, I used to. I worked there seven years. I because it, I live one and a half hours away. I used to travel into work on Monday and come home on the Friday uh, and stay in a motel. They got everyone back for one day a week in November, and, that, and I did that. I go for one day. Um, and now they're asking, they're insisting everyone goes back to a three days a week. I can't stay anywhere in the motel because it's not safe, it's not sterilized. I've had one of the vaccines, uh, but I'm requesting accommodation that they ask me to go back for more days a week after the second dose when I'll have more protection. And they're saying take a paid leave, uh, unpaid leave of absence. Right. Okay. So uh, generally speaking, now I'll, I'll address the changes in a moment, but generally speaking, all of the things being equal, if you're not able to go to work uh, because of um, uh, issues that you have in terms of uh, COVID-19 exposure, yeah. uh, and and that's the concern, then the right thing for an employer to do in that instance is to say, okay, we're going to protect your job. You don't need to come into work, but you're, you'll have to be on a medical leave of absence until you're able to do that. But the interesting issue about your case is there also, um, is this is not really just a COVID change per se. They're also changing. So you're saying that you used to only have to go in uh, one day, and now you're having to go in three days. Did I hear now that? They're asking to to go back for two or three days a week. 
Uh, oh, okay. The, the problem is um, staying there. I have no hotel room to stay in that's sterilized. I, that can be I see. Too. Okay. So this is this is basically the same as you had done before. You had stayed yes. in a hotel before, but it's yeah. now you're not able to do that. No. Right. Well, I, realistically, that that's that's the only thing that the employer can do in this case, right? If unless you can do your job from home, and if you can do your job from home, you should certainly propose that to your employer. I've but done if you that. I, I'm very effective at, at home. Everyone's happy, you know, except management. They they say we want everyone back for two or three days a week. Okay, and have they have they given you a reason as to why uh, they they want you back? Uh, they just feel um, they, they just feel that this is what they want. They they want everyone back for two or three days a week. But my argument is, I've written to them and explained this. I'm much older, although very productive, than the other employees, and my risks to health are much higher. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, there there may be a failure to accommodate issue here. I mean, yeah. all of the things being equal, an employer certainly does not have to permit someone uh, to work from home unless that's been something that they've done in the past. Yeah. Uh, but if there's no uh, hardship to them uh, and you're only asking them to do this on a temporary basis until yeah. uh, you're vaccinated and are able to go back to the way things were, uh, yeah. there's arguably an accommodation uh, problem here, and uh, you may want us to intervene. So, uh, Sally, I would recommend that you give us a call off air uh, so we okay. can talk about this and, and how we may be able to uh, prevent you from having to take an unpaid leave of absence here. Okay. Thanks very much. Okay. You're welcome. Bye. Thank you, Sally. Appreciate your time, and I'll give you some contact information to reach out to John when uh, when you're all done. That is one eight five five eight two. One fifty nine hundred again. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred, and help at employmentlawyer.ca. That's a that's a perfect example right there. Aging workforce. I mean, they they let her they let her go down to what she say once a week, and then she was home for a while. Now they're going back to to three days a week. Isn't that kind of what you're talking about? They've kind of set a bit of a precedent down to once a week. Now they can't go back on what they've done, or is that not long enough? Well, yeah. I mean, the issue here is they've shown that they can accommodate her. I mean, yeah. it, it would be one thing if she was just saying, I want to do this because this is my preference. Uh, but she has a, you know, a genuine uh, concern, I think. If she can get a note from her doctor saying, you know, until she's vaccinated, which we expect to be soon, um, we don't, uh, you know, she, she should be working from home. She's asking to do it on a short-term, temporary basis. It seems to me that's a reasonable accommodation that an employer should be providing. And, and uh, uh, although in most cases an employer will be able to say to the employee, you can go on a, on a temporary medical leave here, I, it's, it's, this strikes me as a pretty basic accommodation. The only issue would be if the employer can establish that they're actually losing something by her working from home, um, and uh, that's not a, a reasonable accommodation in light of that, then... Um, you know there there might be uh, there might be some obstacles there, so it's certainly not a simple issue to work through, and uh, everyone is still adjusting um, to uh, the idea that you know we're going to start coming back to the old normal, the uh, the before time, if you will. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Uh, you know employers are going to have to think about reasonable accommodations, uh, especially if they're short term. 
You know, and, and speaking of Sally, I mean, can an employer terminate an employee because they become older and less productive? Sally mentioning that she really hasn't uh, missed a step. She's keeping up as she always did. She was just asking for a bit of accommodation. But where does an employer stand in that regard? Yeah, I mean, this is where it really uh, starts to be a danger for the employer of running afoul of the Human Rights Code. Uh, because if one of the reasons that they are terminating uh, the, employer, the employee uh, is because they're old, even if there's other reasons, if their termination, if their motivation for termination is even 1% infected by a prejudice towards an older employee, that's going to be a human rights violation. Mandatory retirement has been illegal in Ontario for the last 15 years, uh, and there are really rare exceptions to that. Uh, if if uh, an employer has to prove what's called a bona fide occupational requirement. So, for example, if it's a particular job where you need to be in peak physical condition to do the job, and there's a safety concern beyond a certain age, and you know that's medically verifiable, substantiated, then that may be a valid reason to say, you know, we can't employ someone beyond this certain age. But those are going to be very, very rare. In most cases, if an employer is saying, I'm terminating your employee because A, I don't think you're doing a good job, and B, because you're getting older, well, that the fact that they may have one good reason uh, is not going to save them from the fact that they're also motivated by prejudice. We are talking about uh, the aging workforce and everything surrounding that issue. Not only about that topic, but anything else that uh, anything else that's piqued your interest about employment law, something you've always wondered about. John here to answer those. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. If an employer really has no choice but to terminate an older employee, what type of severance should they expect to have to pay, or is there additional additional uh, compensation that's uh, that's in order? Right. So this is assuming that we're talking about a situation where there's a restructuring, there's elimination of position, uh, yeah. or that person, or the, you know, they're just cutting back on costs, and that's why that person is being let go. You know, perhaps to replace them with someone who they can uh, pay less money. Well, in that case, we're just looking at severance entitlements, and that's going to depend on years of service, the nature of the position, their compensation, uh, the marketplace uh, for those kinds of positions, uh, among other things. And age, of course, is going to play into this. This is one of the factors that the courts look at. The idea behind this is that an older employee um, is going to have a greater obligation, or greater, excuse me, greater entitlement um, to severance. And uh, the other thing that you're going to look at is that if you're an older employee, even if you've been employed for a short period of time, uh, you still could have a significant uh, entitlement to severance, although typically uh, most people who come to me and, and, and they're in the older um, older age group, usually we're talking about long service employees. So when you mix those two things, someone who's older and has a, a lengthy service record, there's going to be that's when you're going to have the most significant entitlements to severance typically. To reach John when the show is not on air, by the way, you can do that, one 821 5900 to call through and help at employmentlawyer.ca. We'll try to get to some emails a little later on in the show. We'll get to uh, some employment law, true and false as well. So if uh, if an employee feels that they were let be, uh, go because of their age, it maybe wasn't verbalized to them, but their spidey sense is telling them so, uh, what should they do? Well, the first thing is don't sign anything. Yeah, uh, the other thing is that uh, unless it's been close to a year since you were let go, in which case you've got a limitation period issue, um, don't start a, a human rights uh, tribunal action because actually we deal with the severance and the human rights issues together. 
Uh, so of course the first thing you want to do is speak to an employment lawyer uh, because you know it may not be the case where uh, we can establish a human rights violation. It may not be the case where the human rights violation has a major uh, financial entitlement, but of course we're still going to want to look at you. We're always going to want to look at your severance package. Was your severance package adequate? Uh, because in 90 to 95% of cases that I see, the answer to that question is no, it's not adequate. Uh, and usually it is going to take the intervention of an employment lawyer to get you to where you need to get to to get you something fair. Let's take a short break. I want to get to Andy's phone call, but it might take a little, a few more minutes than, uh, than we have right now. So we'll take a short break. Andy, hang on the line for me. Help at employmentlawyer.ca, the email address. We'll continue. Employment Law Show. This is Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Help at employmentlawyer.ca to reach out to John when the show is done with your employment law questions. And as I keep mentioning and uh, will continue to do so, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, fantastic website for you. Andy, let's see if we can uh, give you a little uh, little information. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Good, brother. What's uh, what's on your mind? Um, uh, what's the uh, thing is uh, I wanted to ask about is when, when, the, when the insurance company calls you regarding your short-term or long-term disability, what are the questions that you don't need to answer and there are certain questions that you can go ahead and answer because I was kind of a little taken aback when he asked me questions like, did you fill the form that the doctor has given you or did he fill it? Hmm. And I was like, why would I fill the form, you know? And I was a little taken aback with that question. And there was another question uh, uh, like, um, oh, it's, it's the pandemic right now and before this request, you were already working from home. So what's restricting you from working from home? Right. Well, John, we actually have, well, we actually have a different show that uh, Andy, that I would really encourage you to call that deals specifically with disability law uh, issues. Uh, this show is where we talk about workplace issues and what you've described uh, falls outside of what we would uh, talk about on the show, what we really can talk about this on this show, because uh, you're going to need to speak to a disability lawyer about that. And, and uh, I'll leave it to John to give details about when you can hear that show. Um, LTD does become relevant sometimes when we're talking about how it interacts with your employer. But if you're just talking about the insurer, it's the uh, disability law show that you're going to want to uh, ask your questions at. So, Andy, your, your timing's good, but just a little premature. In about 20 minutes from now, we'll get to the disability law show. Savannah Tamarkin, who uh, is the other half of the firm that John works with here, so, uh, Sam Firu Tamarkin, LLP, he'll be on the air answering some of those questions about disability law. Because, yeah, it's it, I mean, you, you really you made an accurate phone call just a little early, but there's so much crossover between employment law and disability law, hence the reason why uh, John and his firm cover both, and many lawyers do both uh, disciplines mm -hmm. as well. So we'll be listening at 10 o'clock in about 20 minutes from now. Andy, go grab a coffee, stand by, and we'll, uh, we'll get to some of those uh, answers for sure. Employment law, true or false? Let's get into this one, John. For, uh, John, first one, I don't need a lawyer to help me get full severance. I can just call the old Ministry of Labor. Oh boy, please don't do this. <laughs> no, the answer is false. Uh, you know, we really should get a button that we should we can press uh, for yeah. false, John. Yeah, exactly. Next time we, we need a buzzer. 
like a, a buzzer. But uh, yeah, I'd be hitting the buzzer uh, as loud as that volume goes uh, for this one. Uh, no, you cannot just call the Ministry of Labor for your severance. There are things that the Ministry of Labor can help you with. Severance uh, is not one of them because the Ministry of Labor can only talk about your min your minimum entitlements. They are, that's all they are allowed to talk to you about. That's all they're qualified to talk to you about. That's all they know about. So when you're talking about getting your full severance entitlements, you know, if you've been employed somewhere for 10 years and you call the Ministry of Labor and they tell you, well, you need eight weeks and you look at your severance package and they've given you 12 weeks, you may say, oh, that's great. Well, in reality, you may be owed actually a year of your pay. And if you've signed a release, uh, you've just thrown away tens of thousands of dollars. This is an extremely costly mistake. Please do not do it. Give us a call. Worst, uh, worst thing that can happen is we can tell you that, you know, maybe you're one of those few people who've actually been offered a good severance package, but you mm -hmm. at least should call us to find out. Call an employment lawyer. Yeah, I think the the furthest the reach that the uh, you know Ministry of Labor has is to possibly say you may have other entitlements, seek uh, legal counsel, blah blah blah. But as far as anything else, that that's where the end of the road. So don't even bother. Like John says, just call uh, call the firm right away for some proper uh, proper indication. That number, by the way, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Or again, the uh, the incredible usefulness of PocketEmploymentLawyer.ca will also answer that question. No need to call anybody right away. Just go to that website and. Uh, and carry on. Employment law, true or false? Okay, my employer can fire me to cut costs because they want to hire somebody new or because I was late for work or because I uh, I wore the wrong color socks to the office, whatever. They can fire me. Right. Well, this one is a, a lot less obvious uh, to some yeah. people, uh, but the answer to this is true. They can do that. Uh, and this kind of reminds me of a lot of clients who come to me and they say, you know, my employer fired me yesterday and they've already posted an ad for a new job. What, they can't do that, right? They can't do that. And then the answer is actually they can do that, right? The only time that's going to become an issue is if you suspect that your employer has let you go, for example, because of your age, uh, like we were talking about for uh, uh, most of the hour today. And uh, they say to you, no, 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 we're not letting you go because of your age. We're eliminating the position. And they tell you that in your termination letter. They're eliminating the position. And then you find out afterwards that they have posted an ad for the job. Well, that's when it becomes a problem because they have lied to you. And all other things being equal, there's technically nothing preventing an employer from lying to you. But if they lie to you to cover up an illegal reason for your termination, right. that's when it becomes an issue. But if it's like the reasons that you were saying, John, because uh, you were late for work or because you wore the wrong color socks at the office, they can let you go. They just have to pay you the proper severance. And that's why you want to give us a call. Not because they didn't have a right to do it, but because they have to pay you enough money to allow you to have time to get back on your feet. And I imagine there's people uh, thinking, okay, that's a little fuzzy to me. I don't know if I'm going to be in that situation or if I am in that situation. That's okay. Just uh, just email John, help at employmentlawyer.ca or 1-855-821-5900. can clear up that question pretty quickly. Going through the employment law, true or false, these are good points to, to remember as we get through these, by the way. My employer can change my level of pay and workload whenever they want. They can do it. Have at her. They are the boss after all. Well, the answer to that is going to be uh, sometimes false and sometimes true. Um, mm. The question here is really a question of degree, right? Are they adding on a few tasks and have you maybe signed an employment agreement that says they can change your workload and it's not going to be constructive dismissal? Uh, then that may be something the employer can do. 
in terms of your level of pay, are they changing your level of pay uh, to remove a uh, 1% or 2% benefit? Well, that's probably something that's in their discretion. Or are they cutting your pay by 20%? Well, that's more likely going to be constructive dismissal. And if you don't want to accept that, uh, then you may be able to treat that as a termination. But you have to act quick because if you don't do anything and a year later you come to me and say, you know what, this employer, they did this to me a year ago, but uh, I'm really, I'm not happy, but I'd like to do something about it. My answer to you at that point is going to be, well, it's too late, right? You've now allowed these to become terms of your employment uh, and the employer would be able to very convincingly argue that you've acquiesced to these changes. So don't wait too long if these things are happening and you want to find out whether it's a constructive dismissal, call us as soon as these changes are implemented. Get a quick call in here before we take a uh, wee break. Hey, Frank, how are you? How are you? Good, sir. What's on your mind? Uh, my question is, I mean, we, uh, you guys all, I see, I guess I can hear you guys all the time uh, talking about, uh, you know, uh, the the well-being of the, um, the, the, the employees, but uh, nobody's talking about the employers. I mean, I have a temp agency, and I have nothing else than trouble. I, for example, I have a job for today. I scheduled, I scheduled somebody yesterday, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, in, it's in writing that uh, he's going to show up today. Today comes, he never shows up. So what, what rights do I have? It looks mm-hmm. like I have no rights, and they have all the rights. Well, uh, no, Frank, that's, that's not entirely true. In fact, uh, at the top of the hour, we were uh, speaking about rights that employers have. We were talking about some options, for example, that employers have uh, with older employees and employees who are not uh, uh, producing. So, uh, you know, we, we, there's certainly uh, more of a focus uh, on, em- on employees because uh, most of the people listening uh, are going to not be uh, uh, owning their own business but working for someone else. But we, uh, from time to time, we talk, we talk about the other side of things. And uh, uh, speaking for myself, I certainly advise employers all the time. So um, you do have rights as an employer. There are things that you can do. Um, if, in, in your case, you're faced with a situation where someone's not showing up to work, you are well within your right to issue a warning. If you decide that you're not uh, prepared to issue a warning, you don't want to build a case for cause, you may decide, you know what, I'm just going to let this person go. Uh, and there are things that you can do uh, to limit the amount of severance uh, that you're going to owe that employee. And this is something no, that no, we no, advise no. employers on all the time. No, sir. I am a temp agency. So this person here has applied for a job. Mm-hmm. I put them on the roster. So I post the jobs. I post the jobs because right now it's all, all technical. It's basically you know, on the WhatsApp. Whoever reply gets the job. Now, right. uh, uh, he, he, he responds that he's okay with the job. Uh, it's guarantee. Are you, are you sure 100% you're going to be there tomorrow, tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock? Yes, for sure. 9 o'clock comes, nothing. Sure. 30 comes, nothing. I mean... Uh, I'm, I'm, to be honest with you, I am very hesitant get, getting to work and getting jobs because uh, the way it is today, you know, I don't trust anybody because uh, it, the way it, the way I see it, and I've been doing this for ten years. Frank, let me uh, let me just put you on hold for a moment. We got to take a short break, and I know John wants to dig a little deeper into this one, so we'll get you just to uh, to stand by, if you will. We'll continue after break. It is uh, the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. 
The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. On the Employment Law Show, John Pincus answering your questions. We'll get back to our Employment Law True and False. But, uh, Frank, just hang on the line. I'll see if John can get uh, get an answer for you quickly. John, what do you think? Well, I mean, the first thing that uh, you have to remember, Frank, and that uh, our listeners who are employers have to remember is that, uh, you know, on this show, of course, we're talking about what the law is. Um, as lawyers, we're not, uh, we certainly don't have the power to change the law, but just to help you navigate it and to help advise you to make sure that you get to the place that is going to be most advantageous to you. And uh, Frank, for what it's worth, um, there are things that you can do here if you're having someone uh, who's, uh, who you need to get rid of. As a temporary agency, you are responsible uh, for, uh, as, as their employer under the Employment Standards Act. So, uh, Please do speak with us if you're having concerns, because that is what we do. We help not only employees, but employers as well. Um, employment law does recognize that employees are going to be in a more vulnerable position. So most employment law deals with protecting employees' rights, but employers have rights too. They always do, and we can help you navigate those. Frank, appreciate the time. And if uh, you want some more answers, for sure, don't uh, don't hesitate to to reach out. one 855 Help at employmentlawyer.ca. Okay, back to employment law. True and false. Last few minutes we got here. Uh, the, I love this one. There are completely different severance rules for federally regulated employees versus provincially regulated. Well, when it comes to your full entitlements, the answer to that is false. Now, yes, Oh, we got a buzzer. Nice budget. Oh, beautiful. Spend some got, money. We got we to do that every time now, John. This is now the new president. Uh, answer false. Uh, so, yes, it is true. There is a Canada Labor Code and an Employment Standards Act, and those two things are different. Uh, federally regulated employees also have different options in terms of the way they can enforce uh, their severance entitlements and federally regulated employees sometimes have some more options in terms of what entitlements they have. But when we're talking about your full severance entitlements, the kinds of things we're talking about on this show, when we look at your age, your position, your length of service, they are the same. Whether you're provincially regulated, federally regulated, if you work for telecommunications, or you work for a tech company, it doesn't matter. You have those entitlements. So don't think that, oh, I'm a federally regulated employee. Everything they're talking about on this show doesn't apply to me. No, you still have severance rights. You still have human rights. All of those things apply. If you have a concern, you should be giving us a call. We act for federally regulated employees all the time. Yeah, I think it's also they might have a little more uh, enriched baseline severance as far as minimums, and I think they might have a, a squeak of a chance of actually getting their job back. That could that could be part of being uh, federally regulated, but for the most part, it's not a massive difference, is it? Well, federally regulated actually have a lower minimum entitlement. Oh, wow. Um, but, yeah, uh, under the uh, Canada Labor Code, which uh, is, is changing, and, and I think they're, they're going to be a little bit more equalized soon. Right. Uh, but, yes, it is true that federally regulated employees do have access to the unjust dismissal program within 90 days of their termination if they are not a manager uh, and they've been employed for at least a year. Uh, Sometimes that's the right route to go, and uh, we have uh, helped employees go that route. Uh, if for no other reason, then it often gives uh, a lot of leverage in severance negotiations, but it's going to be a case-by-case thing. Don't decide to bring an unjust dismissal complaint without speaking to an employment lawyer because it may not be the right option for you. We really have to talk about it and think about the strategy, and an employment lawyer is going to have the experience to help you navigate which option makes the most sense for you. 
Employment law, true and false. See if we get a couple more of these in here. Uh, this one, your employer has legal cause to fire you if your insurance provider cuts you off long-term disability benefits while you are on disability leave. True or false? False. False. No that is false, John. Your employer does not have just cause to fire you if your insurance provider cuts you off from long-term disability benefits. Now, first of all, your long-term disability benefits provider, as uh, I'm sure our listeners are going to hear if they stay on for the Disability Law Show, uh, is something that often they do illegally. Often uh, an insurance provider cuts you off when they should not have. Secondly, your rights vis-a-vis your long-term disability benefits providers and your employers are, are completely separate from one another. You may not qualify for the de- definition of disability under the plan, but you may still be disabled to the extent that you can't go to work. Um, so all you have to make sure that you're doing um, is providing your, do- your employer with regular updates, especially if they are asking for one. And as long as you are communicating with them and providing them with doctor's notes and giving them the information that they need to hold your job, then you have uh, the entitlement to have that job protected for as long as you're off leave. Let's get to one more here. The employment law, true or false, part-time employees have a right to severance when they are fired from a job. Part-time employees do have a right to severance. Uh, That is true. Uh, So if you are a part-time employee, yes, your severance is going to be uh, less, but you're still going to be entitled uh, to severance. You know, and on that note, I want to give a bit of a caveat to that last topic we just talked about because there are circumstances uh, where you're never going to be able to return to your job because you're so disabled, your, your employment's just become impossible. Um, that is another instance where you're going to be entitled to severance still, you're just going to be entitled to less. Uh, and that in that case, you're going to be entitled to your minimum entitlements only. Part-time employees, they are entitled to more than their minimum entitlements. They're just going to be entitled to less severance because they earn less, but they're still entitled to severance. Let's get to one uh, quick email here. The last minute we got here, Lisa says, what recourse do I have if my employer stops paying my salary because they say they have no money? Well, as a legal matter, uh, you have a case for unpaid wages and constructive dismissal. And uh, as a practical matter, you don't have a lot of time. Uh, So, Lisa, please give us a call right away because if your employer really has no money and they're not paying you anything, they may be about to go bankrupt, and that is not a situation you want to be in. So give us a call. Good way to wrap it up. John is done. I am done, and you can stick around for the Disability Law Show. But if you want to reach out now to John, a member of his team, 1-855-821-5900, help at employmentlawyer.ca, and the website, oh so useful, and it's completely free. That would be pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We'll catch you next time. Employment Law Show here on Global News Radio. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.